0: You found a podcast where you'll hear the truth, and we will praise Jesus' name. We stand for the Bible and won't back down from it, although it don't bring much fame. Some folks will like it, some will try to deny it, but God's word will always stand true. It's been tried in the fire, still. Hello friends and faithful listeners, it's time for the Pod King Bible Study. I'm your co-host, Donald King, and I'm joined by the host of this study, Brother Donnie King. On this podcast, we study the Bible from its original languages so we can understand the Word of God more clearly. We look at current events and news and light of Scripture, and we also examine some of the things going on within our culture from a biblical perspective. This is Friday, March the 31st, special edition number 75. Should Christians cast lots or use fleeces? In our last study, we read of the Lamb standing on Mount Zion with a 144,000 who are redeemed. They're singing a new song. They're virgins. They have no guile in their mouths, and they follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They're without fault before God, which is a condition we will want to be in when we stand before him. Before we finished, we ran across the mention of an angel who is preaching the everlasting gospel. We went over all of this and more. So come on and listen to it if you haven't already. In today's episode, we answer a couple of questions sent in by one of our faithful listeners. We were asked, why the disciples cast lots to decide on a replacement for Judas? And the questioner asked if this is a good way to determine God's will. As Christians, is this something we need to do, or should we leave stuff like this alone? The next question was regarding putting fleeces before the Lord. Is this a good practice? Is it something Christians should be encouraged to do? How should we view these things? This episode would definitely be one you don't want to miss. Now for the teaching of God's Word and the lesson for today, I'll turn it to the host of our podcast, Brother Donnie King.
1: Well, thank you for listening, and should Christians listen to podcasts? Well, if it's the Pod King Bible Study, absolutely. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Oh, me. That's a question that I think I would find very easy to answer. But we're going to be working on a couple of other questions today, and I've been looking forward to this episode for a little while now. Yeah, me too. The topic today is one that I really like. Well, I'm glad one of our listeners sent this in because I feel that it's a topic that we need to be talking about because it affects a lot of people in all reality. You're right. I've heard a lot of different opinions on our subject matter, so it should get pretty interesting when you try to nail down a definite answer. Yeah, I figure you're right, but I believe that leaving people in ignorance is really unfair to them. So I'm truly thankful for the opportunity to dive into this today. Okay, (laughs) then let's not keep everybody waiting any longer.
0: Amen. Uh, The question that inspired today's episode is, why did the disciples cast lots in Acts 1, verse 26, to see who God wanted to replace Judas? What is your view on using things like this to determine God's will? There's another question that was sent in by the same listener, but I'll save it until after you answer this one, okay?
1: Okay, that'll work. And I do appreciate the question. As I said, I believe that there is a good answer to this not saying that my answer is good, but the Bible's answer is really good for this. I'm going to begin by reading the passage that the listener has referenced, Acts chapter one, verse twenty six. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. All right, hey, first off, it'd
0: probably be good if everyone had a working understanding of what it meant by the term
1: casting lots. Well, I guess that would be a good place to start. <laughs> I think so. Okay. This was a practice that was used by people to determine God's will in a situation, and it was also used to determine human responsibility in a situation. Now we need to ask, exactly what is a lot? What do you think of when you think of casting lots? Well, is it something like bedding on something or maybe <laughs> throwing dice? Well, it could be something like that. I guess it could be something like drawing straws, huh? Yeah, all of those are similar ways to things that were done, but it's believed that lots were actually small stones or sticks that were put into a cup or to a vessel of some kind, and then one of two things would happen that would be the determining factor. Here's the two options of what most people believe would happen. If they used stones, all of the stones would be white except for one, which would be black. Whoever got the black stone was the culprit, Or that was the direction that was needed to go because it's the only thing different. Should we go this way? Should we go that way? And if you got the white stone, it meant one thing. If you got the black stone, it meant the other. Okay. (laughs) That makes sense, even though it is a little odd. Yeah. Well, the other way that that is a possibility is that it was sticks or rocks that had been marked as a particular answer. And whichever one would be first shaken out into somebody's lap would be the answer that they were looking for. Most likely, though, a lot was a small stone. The reason I say this is because of the Hebrew root name that it comes from is gorau. Gorau means stony or rock-like. By your last explanation,
0: I can definitely see how that could be.
1: Yeah, most of the ancient world would think of casting lots as putting several rocks into some kind of vessel, shaking them out, and they would determine what was going on by that.
0: You know, even some people have wondered if cash and lots was a type of gambling.
1: I've heard that mentioned before, and to a degree, depending on what you term, how loose a definition you term gambling as, it could be used in those manners, but normally it was always used for direction. It usually isn't depicted as gambling within Scripture, although some people probably may have used it that way in times past. In reality, it was a form of chloromancy. What in the world is that? Well, chloromacy is a type of divination used to determine God's will or the will of another deity. If that's so, then wouldn't it be
0: wrong to cast lots?
1: Well, it's because of that very thing that some people think that this is proof that casting lots is an evil practice. But let's consider a few things before we go ahead and deem it evil right from the beginning. Well, what's there to consider? Well, there's a few things. If something is a form of divination, how could it be okay? Let's back up and take a run at this, (laughs) because obviously I'm needing to explain a little bit here. Yeah, because I don't understand. God commanded the priesthood to use the casting of lots to determine which of the two goats would be the scapegoat in Leviticus 16, verses 5 through 18. What they would do is they would pull two goats out, and they would put one as the sin goat, and he would bear the sin, and he was the scapegoat. He would walk outside the city, and he would go down, and they would dispose of him in the wilderness. The other goat would die. They cast lots to see which one was which, and God told them to use lots to do that. This is also how God gave out the promised land to several of the tribes when they finally reached the land of promise. In Joshua chapter 18, go through and read verses 8 through 19, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. God told them, cast lots, and it'll be distributed to, I think it was seven tribes at this point that I'm referencing, and that's how they knew who got what land. Oh, boy. You talk about confusion now. Reckon my God had them cast lots. Well, that's exactly what is confusing. (laughs) It It was the casting of lots that showed Joshua who had sinned back when Achan had done what he did in Joshua 7. They went through and they said, okay, we need to figure out who did this. And so they went, they cast lots and they figured out, okay, it's the tribe of Judah. They went and they cast lots again. They said, okay, it's the family of this one. And then they cast lots again and said, okay, it's Achan. They did it by process of elimination. We know that God could have told Joshua, said, Achan send, he's got the stuff hidden in his tent. Go find it, kill him. God didn't do that. He told him to cast lots. In the story of Jonah, if you'll remember, the pagan mariners who was wondering why this storm had come about, they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. That's how they knew that he was the one that caused the storm to come upon them. Taking it back even closer to home for the Israelites. Israel, in the case of Saul becoming their king, God had already told Samuel Saul would be the next king. But guess what? We find them in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 19 through 21, cast in lots to see if Saul ought to become king or not. Guess what? The lot fell on Saul and he became king. Then later, Saul, maybe because of that, or maybe because it was the custom of the day, he used lots to determine who had eaten the food after he had commanded the people not to do so. If you remember, they were in a battle. And Saul said, cursed be the one that eats any food today before we defeat our enemies. Well, Jonathan wasn't around when that had been said. Jonathan ate some honey, if you'll remember, and it lit his eyes up. He was enlightened and he was able to fight the battle and they overcome that day. And Saul finally realized that someone had eaten. He turned around and basically said, whoever ate is going to die. And they come forth and they cast lots and it fell on Jonathan. And he turned around. He says, Jonathan, you know, you're going to die. And the people stood up for Jonathan and kept him from being killed that day. But Saul cast lots to see what should be done. So this was a very common practice in Old Testament times then. It really was. Lots determined the priestly duties. Go to First Chronicles 24 and 5. And I may read that here in a moment, but that's how they determined the priestly duties. It's how they determined the division of the land back in Numbers 26. Many, many different things for decisions about the priestly duties, dividing up land. All of these things are decisions that God would have wanted them to done a particular thing. You would think, but he left it up to the lot. Now, here's the thing. When you was dividing up between the priestly duties or you're dividing up the land, they had to mark each one of those stones or sticks with a particular tribe for them to know who's getting what. So they had markings on them, whether I don't know whether they wrote on them, they carved on them, but somehow they would take and they would shake it out and say, all right, who gets this portion of land? And it'd fall out and it would be, okay, the tribe of Naphtali. They look at the priestly duty and say, okay, somebody's got to do this. Somebody's got to do that. And they would put it on the sticks. All right, abide you. Come here. And they'd shake out and it'd fall out and say, all right, oh, you're to do this service for, right? So this is the way they determine things. In reality, instead of Joshua or Moses or the leader of Israel being the fall guy, this way it fell to the lot and say, well, the lot fell on him. It was impartial. It was unbiased. Can't say, well, they got who they wanted in there because the lot fell on it. Whichever lot came out at a particular time, that decision that they were looking for was based on that lot. Even King Solomon, as wise as he was, you would think the wisest man in the world would have some knowledge about what we're talking about, and he would have some very good understanding. But guess what? Solomon knew that casting lots would cause contentions to cease. Let me read you Proverbs 18 and 18. Solomon said, the lot causeth contentions to cease and parteth between the mighty. So in other words, Solomon said, hey, you can't argue with the lot that's been cast. You put three rocks in a bag and you shake them. The one that falls out, you didn't determine that. It just fell out. This is the way it is. So the lot should cause all contentions to cease. If you got two people arguing over something and you cast lots, okay, we may call it rock, paper, scissors. We're going to do rock, paper, scissors and determine this. And then when it comes out, oh, well, you can't say that it was predetermined. You can't say that it was forced. You can't say that it was biased. And this is probably one of the main reasons why it was used. But I got a better reason for you. What's that? Let's go to Proverbs 16 and 33. Even though lots seem so random, God allowed these important decisions to be made, and ultimately the lots fell where God wanted them to fall. You believe that? Yeah, I do. (laughs) All right, let's read 16 and 33 of Proverbs. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Now, that verse really brings some clarity to all of this.
1: It does, because you've got randomness. If you've got just two people sitting there and they're casting lots, okay, oh, well, it just happened to fall out this way. But they truly believe God controlled the lot. Now, let's do a quick rundown of what we've already talked about. When the scapegoat went into the wilderness, it almost doesn't matter which goat went in or which goat was sacrificed, so it doesn't matter as much in that. But when the promised land was divided out, there were some tribes within the nation of Israel that were much larger than other. So it would seem like it would need to be a specific tribe, take a specific portion of land. The lot determined that. God had to determine the lot. Then you go to Joshua. How did the lot keep falling on the right group, the right tribe, the right people, the right family, and then it come down to Achan? God had to be in control of the lot. How did those pagan mariners cast lots and it just so happened it fell on Jonah? He was the only one that was causing the storm, and that's who the lot fell on. So you've got to realize that in all of these cases, God must have been in control of the lot somehow. Here they are. Men took rocks. They put them in a bag. A man shakes the bag, but God causes the right rock to fall out. That's pretty amazing when you think about It, it. It is. There was no chance for the lot being cast on the wrong person or on the wrong tribe because God is sovereign over the lots that were cast. As a matter of fact, you remember hearing about the Urim and the Thummim that the priest had in the Bible? Yeah. Nobody really knows exactly what that was, what it looked like, because it wasn't preserved. But they are believed to have been a type of lots that the priest would cast that gave a yes, no, and maybe even a blank answer to Israel. There were times they went and they consulted with the Urim and the Thummim, and there would be a yes answer, sometimes a no answer, and sometimes they got no answer at all. Not a no answer, but just no answer.
0: (laughs) So in the Old Testament, when the Jews had to make a decision, they cast lots to decide what they needed to do, and then it was okay for them to do so?
1: most absolutely. And I know it seems odd because other nations used casting of lots in order to speak to other deities. And they found their answers through doing that. And they would ask their deity. And so the lot would fall out. And so many cultures believed in casting lots to find the will of their God. There's at least 88 accounts of casting lots in the Old Testament alone. My goodness! Depending on how you determine what casting lots is, because there's variations on it, There's between five to seven times it was used even in the New Testament. But here's the kicker. In four of those places, it's actually one event that's spoken of by all four Gospels. It's the casting of lots by the Roman soldiers for the garment that was worn by Jesus. If you want to read about that, that's found in Matthew 27 and 35, Mark 15 and 24, Luke 23 and 34, and John 19 and 24. All right. All Could right. the Lord have been
0: shining the light on how they should view casting and lots by what happened at the cross? What do you mean by that? Well, the Romans were pagans, and they were doing this right
1: at the feet of Jesus. Okay. Well, I can see your point, and that, that is a possibility. It could be that he was showing them there's no more need for casting lots. This is what the pagans do. And when you bow at the feet of Jesus, this ought to stay here. I, 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 okay, I get that. Another time it was used is in reference to how the temple determined which division a priest would serve. And this harkens back to what I mentioned a while ago in First Chronicles. I'm going to go ahead and read you First Chronicles 24 and 5, and then I'm going to read you Luke 1 and 9 and show you how it fulfilled in the New Testament. First Chronicles 24 and 5. Thus were they divided by lot, by lot, one sort with another, for the governors of the sanctuary and governors of the house of God were of the sons of Eliezer and of the sons of Ithamar. Going into Luke 1 and 9, according to the custom of the priest office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now, this is speaking of Zechariah. This is how he knew what he was supposed to do. In his priestly duty, they were still casting lots in Luke chapter one. Zacharias was a godly man. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in the temple, told him he's going to have a son in his old age and name him John. All of that happened because he was in there after casting lots found out when his time to work was.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, casting lots may have been something that God never condemned during scripture, but we have no need to cast lots today.
1: I agree wholeheartedly. And in a sense, casting lots should be seen on a similar plane as reading horoscopes today. Yeah, You could look at it as like going to a palm reader or relying on those who practice divination. We don't need it today because we have direct access to God himself by Jesus Christ, our mediator. Yeah, and because of that, there's no need to cast lots either, flip a coin or roll a dice anymore. That's right. We can seek godly counsel from God himself through the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we can also go to godly people, experience pastors and talk to them and get counsel from them at times when we don't feel like we're getting an answer ourselves. That's right.
0: Well, we don't have to make decisions that are based upon luck <laughs> when there are
1: biblical options open to us today. That's exactly right. You know what? To make a decision according to chance is to put yourself at risk of making a decision that would not be in the will of God. In the New Testament, the normal way for discerning the will of God is never casting lots after the instance mentioned in Acts 1 and 26 that our questioner wrote in about. You never find any of the disciples casting lots anymore. And we're told how to find God's will by Paul in Romans chapter 12 and in Ephesians chapter 5. Let me read you three verses right here. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By being obedient and submissive to God, he will show us what the perfect will of God is. Ephesians 5 and 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's up to us to find out what the will of God is. The will of God is not found in the manners that they used to use. All right. Can we say it this way
0: then? If a Christian has to roll dice, draw straws, or pick numbers to figure out what he's needing to do, there's something wrong. I agree wholeheartedly. There's definitely something wrong. Something is wrong with the way they find God's will. And something's wrong, in fact, that
1: they're not hearing from God in any way, shape, or form, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. And I've been in that shape before where I nearly felt like, well, I might as well cast some dice down and see what I need to do. But that is not the answer for God's people. No, it's not. We don't need any of these methods today because we've been given the Spirit of God and the Spirit has been given to us to lead us to guide us, and to show us all things. Amen. And here's my last point, and this is my total answer to sum up the question that was asked. The disciples in Acts 1 and 26 cast lots before they received the Spirit. After the Holy Ghost came, you never read of anybody casting lots again in the Bible. All right. The other question that our listeners sent in, what about the
0: practice of putting out a fleece before the Lord? Is this something that a Christian should do?
1: Okay, I love this because I do believe that it's pretty much connected with what we were just talking about in a lot of ways. I could say refer to the first part of this and you pretty much are going to already know what my answer is going to be. But I want to talk this out because this entails a lot of information. I'm going to try to sum it up fairly quickly, not take a whole lot of time. But I want to answer the question very fully to where they have a sufficient answer. All right, they're referencing what Gideon did in Judges 6 and 36 through 40. I'm going to read that passage, then we're going to make a couple of comments. All right. And Gideon said unto God, if thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so, for he rose up early on the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. Before I make any other comments, first and foremost— Gideon did not have the spirit within him when he put the fleeces out. That is a kicker that you need to keep in mind that's going to determine what we are to believe. Well, there's a lot of people that I've I've known that have used fleeces through the years, and some of them had the spirit. I understand that, and I know many people today that still use fleeces. They believe that that's the only true way to get an accurate answer from the Lord. But nearly everyone who uses a fleece uses it wrong, according to Scripture. What do you mean by that? How could somebody use use a fleece wrong? Well, here's what I want to tell you. And most people bypass this or overlook this. And this is what they need to understand. When the fleece was used in Scripture, it was not based on circumstances, but on God's supernatural power. All right. Let me ask you again. What do you mean by that? Would Would you mind explaining this for us? Okay. In reality, the fleece wasn't used to gain guidance. It was used to gain confirmation of guidance that God had already given to Gideon. God had already told him his answer, and he was just trying to gain confirmation over and over again. Putting out a fleece in Scripture should be seen as an expression of doubt and unbelief. God already told Gideon what to do, and Gideon just kept on and kept on. He was asking for confirmation. Oh, wow. I've never thought about it that way. Gideon didn't put out a fleece to find God's will. He already knew
0: God's will. Yeah. Well, in my mind, I've always thought he was seeking an answer, but
1: you're right. This is a sign of how weak Gideon's faith really was. Gideon's faith was so weak that he asked God to confirm what God had already told him to do. In other words, it's like I would tell you, hey, how about take out the trash? And you'd have to ask me three or four times, are you sure you want me to take out the trash? (laughs) I mean, if you really do, hand me a drink of water if you want me to go take out the trash. I mean, that's exactly what Gideon's doing. He's never been told what to do, but he keeps putting out fleeces saying, God, if you really are going to give me the victory, if you're really going to be with me, show me God doesn't lie. Gideon's faith in God's word was very weak. And that's why he put out a fleece. Makes sense. So let me turn this on you before I go any further. If Gideon's faith was weak that caused him to put out a fleece, what does that say for people that are using fleeces today? Mm. <laughs> it doesn't sound good, does it? No, it I don't. Okay, so here, here, let me prove that Gideon's faith was weak. Gideon's faith was so weak that he asked God for a sign to confirm what God already told him would happen. He asked him for the fleece to be wet and the ground dry. Then he asked him for the fleece to be dry and the ground wet. God promised Gideon victory over Midian back in Judges 6 and 14 through 16. We looked at Judges 6 and 36 through 40. Let's go back and look at verses 14, 15, and 16. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Now, this is plain as day. God has already told him, You're the man. You're going to win. 20-something verses later, you find Gideon saying, Lord, if this is really going to be, show me. He had done told him. He had already given him all he needed to know.
0: All right. Now, you've got me confused because I've actually heard ministers encourage people to put out a fleece before the Lord when they're seeking direction in the matter. I know it, and I've heard
1: the same thing before. Well, so can I ask you a question? Well, to be technical, you just did. (laughs) You know what I mean.
0: (laughs) Okay. How does God look at it when someone advises you to put out a fleece when the whole thinking behind it is wrong?
1: And here's the thing. I'm not saying that everybody is doing something terrible, wrong, or committing an awful sin, but I do think that sometimes we help weaken people's faith by making them believe that they can't get an answer from God. If you don't believe that God's going to speak to you and God will answer you, then I understand you'd get pretty perplexed. You could get in a bad spot spiritually. So when I, as a preacher, help add to that weakness of your faith and say, yeah, you probably won't get an answer. You probably need to cast lots or put out a fleece. Then we're saying that God's probably not going to answer you. He's not going to speak to you in this manner. So we've got to resort to carnal means. God is a spirit, and they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if you resort to carnal means to worship a spiritual God, we've got to disconnect already. Number one, if somebody's giving bad advice or telling people to put out fleeces when I believe it's very unbiblical. God is gracious. He's patient with us, especially when our faith is weak. He's not wanting to cast nobody aside. I still believe we need to be very careful, though, when we advise people with faulty ideas.
0: But Gideon had to know he was treading on dangerous ground by asking for multiple signs, didn't he?
1: Yeah, and I believe that it's pretty evident in the text that he knew that. He even told the Lord to not be angry with him for asking. That's right. He knew he was pushing God. He knew that when he had already been given his direct command, you will defeat Midian. For him to keep asking God, are you really going to be with me? Are you really going to put them into my hand? Are you really going to let me win this victory? He was pushing God, and God was gracious, and he answered Gideon, and he confirmed it. He didn't give Gideon his counsel through the fleece. He had already given him his instruction before the fleece. The fleece was only for confirmation. It wasn't to make a decision. The story of Gideon should be for our instruction and not serve as a model for our own behavior. In other words, we can look at that and learn, but we don't use it for our own choices. Just because Gideon used a fleece doesn't mean that God wants everybody to use a fleece. As a matter of fact, Jesus said on two occasions that a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. That's found in Matthew 16 and 1 through 4 and 12 and 39. Let me read you Matthew 12 and 39. But he answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. In other words, you've already been given what you need to know what to do. We have a Bible. We have the Spirit of God. We have been given what we need. We don't have to resort to casting lots or going to fleeces to find God's will. Jesus's point here is that the signs He's already given to us, such as His fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, healings, miracles, His word—all of that is sufficient in themselves. When we have to ask signs from God, we show forth faith that is really weak and immature. You know,
0: I honestly never thought of putting a fleece before the Lord as having weak faith, but I do see exactly what you're saying.
1: Well, sadly, this kind of faith that we're talking about will not be convinced by the signs anyway. Even though Gideon was shown at the water that he was going to be victorious and that he had too many men, that should have told him already, God's going to fight the battle for us. I mean, we had 32,000 men. He took us down to 10,000. Then he took us down to 300. Obviously, God is going to fight this battle, but Gideon was so unsure of everything, he kept questioning God, and he kept questioning God, and finally God showed him through the fleeces, I will be with you like I said. So when we put a fleece out to find direction, we're not even using it like Gideon did. Gideon had received sufficient information from God without the sign of the fleeces. God had told him he's going to have victory. Look back at 6 and 14 of Judges. So we know the problem here isn't with God's power. The problem is our lack of faith in God's power. Another problem with putting a fleece before the Lord is that our situation and Gideon's situation isn't even comparable. Oh, yeah? How so? Well, as Christians, we have two things that Gideon didn't have. First, we have the complete word of God, which is sufficient, according to 2 Timothy 3 and 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine? for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What is this for? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Through God's word, we are thoroughly equipped for whatever comes up in life.
0: I figure most people in our audience would agree with that point as well. But I doubt very many of them
1: would have thought of it as weak faith to use a fleece. I understand that. You'd never hardly hear that taught or preached in our churches because so many people rely on them. We put a fleece before the Lord to find out our companion, whether we should marry them or not. God needs to tell us that, not a fleece. When we put out a fleece before him and say, well, I'm going to marry this woman as long as the sun comes up on Tuesday morning. Well, guess what? The sun's going to come up whether you see it or not. That's right. <laughs> well, if it rains three times next week, I know God's showing me I need to do Don't leave your life to chance. And I know most people say, well, God's in control. I understand that also, but God can show you without having to put it out. Okay, let the next person that comes out of the elevator be redheaded. I mean, that's totally up to chance. When we have a God that answers his people and speaks to us through his word and leads us with his spirit, we don't have to do those things. We don't need proof by signs, by wonders, or by miracles to give us the direction we need because we already have God's Word. Our second advantage over Gideon is that Christians have the Spirit of God abiding within us to lead us, guide us, and direct us. Prior to Pentecost, yes, they were directed by God's providential hand by casting lots. They were directed by the priesthood and the ephod. They were directed by the Urim and the Thummim, but everything is different today.
0: That is true.
1: And today we have the
0: Bible and the spirit of God within us to give us the
1: direction that we need. Rather than seeking signs through fleeces, we need to rely on God's word and his spirit to give us the answers and the direction we need. So simply put to answer the question, should we cast lots to find God's will? No. Should we use fleeces today to find direction for our lives? No. We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God And therefore, to do anything else would be a disgrace to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God. If we'll allow the Spirit and the Word to guide us, the decisions that we do make will be in accordance with God's will. And if we can find God's will, there's no need to put out a fleece or ask God for signs or cast lots any longer. Very
0: good lesson today, Brother Donnie. I think it's telling us to fully put our trust and belief in the Lord and depend on Him amen all right friends remember if you have a bible question or a question regarding how news and current events or things going on in our culture are connected to scripture drop us an email at dk ministries 1977 at yahoo.com that's dk ministries 1977 at yahoo.com we hope you've enjoyed this episode today sharing god's
1: word but until next time
0: may god bless you all
1: be sure and come back Monday, April the 3rd for episode number 110, The Sickler Begins the Harvest. He's done
0: so much for me, this I know. Really changed my heart all around. Put my feet back on the ground, got along. Now for heaven, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. To that land where the milk and honey flow. Oh, I've heard of such a place. I can't go there by God's grace. Never seen it, but I know I want it.